Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 18th of June, 2017. You know, all the world's a stage, and we are but the audience. And we are along for the ride, basically, and to pay for all the things in the world. That's our function. I listen to all arguments and all sides of arguments, and I've lived long enough to know when there's a big con job going on. And pretty well everywhere you look, there's a con job going on, because we're living through the big script. Regardless of the changes of parties, etc., the big script continues onwards. The United Nations agenda, the NATO agenda, all the other agendas continue, including all the, the carbon tax agendas, to, including the U.S., because many of the states are going ahead regardless. And they're already doing it, some of them, already paying carbon taxes. Because you're, you've, they've signed on to the Millennial Project, the Agenda 21 Project for the whole century, etc., 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 etc. So many agreements have been signed on to. They're all put down as non-binding, meaning they can be just tossed out if someone wanted to toss them out. But no one wants to toss them out except the public, because the public are paying through the nose for everything else anyway in the world. But we're run by the rich, and believe you me, it doesn't matter if it's left-wing, far-left, or communist. It's the rich that runs it all, and many of the top communists are multi-billionaires. It's the same global agenda, and you've got to get the dialectic on the go and the arguments on the go to get the agenda through. Change needs opposition, and we're always supplied with oppositions. And out of that comes their, their argument, their discussion, they hammer out some kind of agreement, and so you end up with your, the synthesis, basically. Then you start again at the thesis, to the next part of the agenda. It's continuous, but the rich always get what they want. We're run by countless organizations, way above newspapers, way above all that nonsense, the trash that they feed the general public, way above that. The big boys run think tanks galore, big massive foundations. They've got all their corporate lobbying groups. They've got all their NGO foundation lobbying groups. And the general populace, basically, as I say, we're along for the ride and to pay for it all. Mind you, they want you to vote to keep the pretense that your vote matters. They want to keep it going. But <laughs> everything's much the same, isn't it, really, when you think about it? Public-private partnerships on the go, stuff that even John Maynard Keynes talked about a long time ago in different terminology, but it was the same thing, where the corporations would eventually rule the world, and uh, the CEOs, etc., would bring in the new feudal system, as Carl Quigley talked about, too. It's all here. It's all here. So let's not kid ourselves. And you've got to remember, too, what public-private partnerships happens to be to pay for all the infrastructure repairs, etc. Well, public-private partnerships was being discussed in the 90s, mid-90s. And even Prince Charles talked about them too, because he belonged to all these world forums and organizations, all under the guise and umbrella of the royal societies and, and royal assent, basically given to them all to exist. Very old, going back into the 1800s, by the way. And how they would bring down the populations of people all over the whole planet, and how all the big groups at the United Nations, the stacks and stacks of UN this and UN that, all work for the same agenda. It's no coincidence. 
And it does confuse most people on a superficial level. If they just touch on it, they, they, they won't notice that it's all the same group basically running the whole show, all sides of it, because the agenda never falters. But public-private partnership, of course, is exactly what Donald Trump's talking about, to get the infrastructure of the U.S. back on track. Public-private partnerships means basically the public finance, all corporate infrastructure on any big projects, and you maintain it too through your tax money. And the corporations simply rake in the cash and the profits, and that's a great idea for them, the new feudal system. The same thing goes with the constant basically reserving parks across the world that were publicly owned. Something that's publicly owned means it's run by government, supposedly as a service non-profit. But of course, corruption is massive in all organizations, uh, including government too, and you end up getting too many seats on boards of this and boards of that, uh, even though they're government-run, basically. And it starts to falter. So... They privatise them eventually, including public land. Now, when public land is privatised or public utilities is, is privatised, it's no longer under the offices really of the government. It's under the corporations, basically. So your government is being reinvented. And that was the title back in the 90s of the whole agenda of this public-private partnership business, reinventing government. Al Gore spearheaded it, in fact, around the mid-90s because Al Gore and his ilk are heavily involved in amassing even bigger fortunes than they already have by all the other plans that they've got made for taxing you on carbon and everything else too. So reinventing government is to get away from the idea that you belong to a country and the government really is there on your behalf. And now it comes into the new system where private corporations have a bigger say in the whole country and what happens within the country and they're out of the bounds basically of governmental input or even oversight in many cases too that is the new system now we shouldn't fall into traps like thinking left wing or right wing uh, would do things differently all the parties are on board with this and the ones at the top of parties are all definitely prepped as to what's going on they know what's going on they know who put them in and it's not the public (laughs) And they know what the agendas happen to be, at least enough of them for their time and period in office. They know what it's supposed to be. And lower down the the political realm, they're allowed certain competition, as Carl quickly said, which means they can avail themselves of bigger incomes, you might say, by various means. But the the guys at the top of governments are led, led in into some of the roles they'll have to play as pretended heads of government to get things through on behalf of those that run the world. And it doesn't matter what party it is, if it's Communist Party, left-wing party, middle of the road, or whatever nonsense they give you, because they're all the same, all the same. It's like Obama, right? The Democratic leader, of course, and he got seven, over $70 million advance, supposedly, on the ghostwritten book about Obama. This is how they pay them off for what they've done when they were in. Bill Clinton got the same too, remember that? And I'm sure every president's got the same thing going. They just churn out their books, ghostwritten, and then they go and give speaking engagements for like a quarter of a million dollars here and there. <laughs> Not bad, eh? 40 minutes. Hard work, that. Hard work. But we live through incredible times when it's really in your face. A long time ago, it was just as corrupt, probably, 
maybe not quite as corrupt, I should say. Like, like, like in Britain, I can remember in Britain when petty scandals broke out, even innuendos of politicians' little scandals, and the politician would literally stand down, give up their position to save the party and to save the country. That, that's how it, today they stand there and boast about what they've done. <laughs> That's quite something, isn't it? Because we're getting more and more corrupt all the time. And that's the way of it. It's also the way of it, too, to watch the, the, the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, the American side of Royal Institute for International Affairs, which all has international affairs organizations across the whole planet, but the CFR is what they call it in the U.S. And used to be in Canada, too, to an extent, although they like to use the CG one as well. But it's all the same organization running everything. And they do mention a lot of what they're up to in their Foreign Affairs magazine, but they also put a lot of deception in there too, knowing the public will read it. Fascinating subject altogether when you think about it, the whole idea of running the world and going through 100 years or more of the movements to run the world. I mean, back in the 1800s when the Lord Alfred Milner Group and the Cecil Rhodes Bunch were on the go, in cahoots with Rothschild, by the way, to, to get the diamonds and gold out of Africa and South Africa. It is fascinating to see that the British Empire, as it was called at that time, which controlled about a quarter of the globe. And it's funny to see how they set up all the different institutions under conservation in the 1880s and so on, some even earlier, with intention of reserving whole chunks of land in different countries to stop the people who belonged in those countries from eventually moving in, farming them, etc. They wanted to keep the population down. A vast array of, of titles and so on. Lord Alfred Milner was involved in, 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 in giving the head, made basically the CEO at the time, of different organisations too for the British Empire to do with conservation, where the crown land, would we call it crown land, would be set aside for H.M. Queen and uh, and so on, down, down through time, which is the same t- today. And when you see the, how many parks and UN biospheres and so on they've created since then across the US, Canada and the whole world, it's, it's astronomical. They've even got one in Europe, and, and most folk living in Europe don't even know. There's whole chunks of different countries, which were different countries, being set aside and we're not allowed to go on anymore. Because the future has been spelled out, and eventually we're to start be- becoming depopulated. And I'm not guessing at this. I've read all the stuff put out by oh, Prince Philip and many others about depopulation, uh, long before him too. You had the Huxleys, the brothers, talking about it too. Julian Huxley was far more open about it, need to create a, a eugenic society, basically you sterilise the unfit and all the rest of it, and promoting the, the same old thing of, of the elite should basically be allowed to propagate the species, their own species, basically through all the different peasantry by mandating that they father lots and lots of children by different mothers, etc., it's never stopped the whole idea of this, but it's quite fascinating to see that the old Malthusian ideas are, are still alive and well. Actually, they're still camouflaged, but they're still alive and well to the, to the full, to the extreme. Still going on. And, of course, with it all, too, 
the elite who see themselves as a separate species, basically, have no problem bringing in uh, all kinds of people into Europe from Africa and elsewhere. They have no problem at all about that because they don't see the eradication of the native populations as anything to, to weep over. They, they really don't because they don't feel any more for a peasant in North Africa or South Africa uh, or China uh, to, to compare to the British peasantry. They really don't. And the arrogance that's come out of their mouths is astounding. They're quite open about it in the big world meetings that they have. Quite open about the need to really depopulate the general population. They were even having meetings, global population meetings, at the beginning of World War Two in, in, in London. And then another one at the end of it, too. So knowing that, that many were going to get killed off in a world war, which is already underway in 1940 in Britain, but it didn't matter. They, they wanted... They knew they wouldn't kill off enough, basically. There's never enough. And what gets you is the fanaticism that these people have about depopulating all of you. But mind you, too, even when they've completely repopulated Britain and Europe with other cultures, they're quite confident they can manage those ones, too. And then the contamination that destroyed the native populations via Hollywood and everything else and all the movies and their own BBC and their TV dramas, etc. All weaponized. And, uh, you know, the, the whole industry of sex, drug, rock and roll, etc. And promiscuity. They can do the same thing eventually with all the incomers and they'll, they'll eventually die out down the road too. So they really have no favorite people, you might say, uh, amongst uh, the general peasantry of any country. <laughs> And, and they're quite open about it, too. And many of their speeches, again, to the global societies, which they all run, which they actually run from royalty, basically, you, you really would fall off your, your chair if you were there when you heard these speeches about depopulating the, the general peasantry, basically. They're talking about culling. And that's, that's the term they use. They cull the animals. And they always give the same examples that royalty's always been into. They have all their gamekeepers for all their lands, take care of all the animals. So as if they get bored one day and want to go out and slaughter a few animals, they can go and do it, just for the fun of it. And they say there's a need, they need to cull them down when they get too numerous for a particular species or herd, etc. And then, of course, they go on to the human angle and say, well, most folk can understand that, but when it comes to the human element, like in the same boat, basically, we have a, a blind spot, and that has to be overcome. When you look at this one here, for instance, the preface to Down to Earth by Prince Philip, 1988. And it says, I don't claim to have any special interest in natural history, but as a boy I was made aware of the annual fluctuations in the number of game animals and the need to adjust the cull to the size of the surplus population. And then he goes on another one here, when he was getting an honorary degree from the University of Western Ontario, Canada, July 1983. 
For example, the World Health Organization project designed to eradicate malaria from Sri Lanka in the post-war years achieved its purpose. But the problem today is that Sri Lanka must feed three times as many mouths, find three times as many jobs, provide three times the housing, energy, schools, hospitals and land for settlements in order to maintain the same standards. Little wonder the natural environment and wildlife in Sri Lanka has suffered. The fact is that the best-intentioned aid programs are at least partly responsible for the problems. Now, the thing is, too, remember that <laughs> the fact that the mass immigration policies of Britain into Britain, uh, the claim were because the people in Britain were not having enough children for the future. That's the claim of it, which is nonsense, too. Because after all, if the whole point of depopulation is to reduce your population, then you should be happy if it's really plummeting. But they're not. Uh, they're, they're, they are. They're happy if it's plummeting, but they're also not happy that it's plummeting because they want to bring in more people to fill the, the spaces that should have been filled by the folk who lived there in the first place. You can't win, in other words. It's quite amazing. Right? And... Another one here too, a lecture to the European Council of International Schools in Montreux, Switzerland, 1986, November 14. The great difficulty about life is that we humans are part of it and it's therefore almost impossible to study objectively. It therefore tends to be anthropocentric and gives scant attention to the welfare of all the other life forms which share the planet with us. He goes on and on and on. And many, many, many little quips he's given out over the years of these meetings. Uh, trying to get the point across that there's just too many of you. Too many of you, basically. That's, that's the whole point of it. And I look at all of you as, as a person that, that I'm one of. Because I grew up in Britain. And the history of Britain really, really was just uh, suffering, basically. Through feudal systems all the way up to the industrial era where they were crowded into, into the cities. And back then they'd have many, many, quite a few families, many children and so on, all crammed into single rooms. So sometimes four families would have to share the place themselves. They didn't have all the mod cons either, remember, there were electricity or yeah, toilets, etc. They were just there to supply the labor, for the cheap labor, very cheap labor, and do 12 to 16 hours a day sometimes, quite often in fact, of work for the masters of the cotton industry and all the other industries that they had, and the mining industries as well. And then after that, when they were supposedly coming up into a better lifestyle, you, you had World War One, and World War Two, etc., etc., and they were taxed for it into, into the ground, basically, and the country never really recovered. Now, the multi-billionaires became even wealthier because they ran the arms industry, and they were in cahoots, of course, the elite of Britain, with the big, big bankers that they already had fronting for them in the U.S. that lent to all sides during World War One, And 
the, the, the incredible, and I've got the records here of who made how much money. It's just astronomical of what these big bankers were doing with their loans. And again, when they claim it's a dodgy loan because you might lose the war, they made sure that the win or lose, you'd still pay up, and the compound interest would be astronomical because it was they were lending at an incredibly high rate of interest too. So war is great for business for the big big banking families. Again, too, you can go into so much of that. But again, you've got to understand that when you have people like Prince Philip and the organization going back into the 1800s that runs all the different conservation organizations that you hear of today, all the well-known names, they partially fund them. The big foundations also front for them all. They also fund them, and they all work under this umbrella group called the United Nations, which again is the embryo for world government set up a long time ago under the League of Nations to try and bring in world government too. And the Council of Foreign Relations, Royal of International Affairs, they're all part of the big push to bring in their own system. Even when they pretend once in a while to, to disagree or argue with each other, they're not arguing at all. It's to confuse the public so you don't catch on that one massive system runs the world and you're living through its agenda. And you have no say in the matter. Philip also said, A farmer is respecting the natural system and practicing what ecologists refer to as maintaining a sustainable yield. Very important term, that sustainable. It's through, it's through everything to do. Because I want to say this is the basis of the economics of nature. It's just as important as the economics of money, since no human activity can be considered in isolation from the natural world which is our life support system. In other words, once you have interfered with the balance of nature, it becomes necessary to maintain the balance by artificial means. This means that some animals have to be killed in the interest of maintaining the health and the viability of the species as a whole, as well as the benefit of other more vulnerable species. Unfortunately, there are many people who object to that sort of thing. Ecology is not concerned with the fate of individual animals. It accepts the concept of the exploitation of surplus natural resources because that is in the way the natural system, how it works. But it must always be done on the principle of maintaining a sustainable yield. The inexorable rule of nature is that if you mess up your environment, you'll have to pay a heavy price sooner or later. Just look around the globe, and today you cannot fail to notice that areas which at one time supported highly successful and civilized populations, and they're either deserts or they have reverted to jungle. The reason is quite simple. They over-exploited their natural resources, and they paid the price. It is naive to think that we can escape the same fate for very much longer. We're only managing to put off the evil hour by frantically digging up and using mineral resources that can never be renewed. As if that were not enough, we are polluting the atmosphere, the land, and the waters with every kind of noxious substance, and so on. So you understand it's fine for them to go around in their big, big jets around the whole planet, some of which even have their, their big, big cars in it, like Rolls Royces and so on, their Prince Charles likes. But for you... For you, you see, it's all your fault what's happening to the world. Not theirs, it's your fault. It goes on and on and on. As I say, there's so many quotes from this particular guy. Prince Philip's been hammered occasionally for putting his foot in it, you might say. Because he's rather blunt and straightforward. 
mind you, I'd rather have someone who is blunt and straightforward than someone who smiles to the public and gives different talks completely to his own peer group. And you find that Philip is, is basically straight to the point, regardless of who he's talking to, doesn't matter. <laughs> and if more people actually were, were more open like this, we could, we'd know exactly what's going on. And unfortunately, there's too many folk there that can bite their tongue and, and play to the public, basically. It's sad indeed. But anyway, you'll find lots and lots of gaffes, you might say, like a gaff is where he puts his foot in it from different comments that he's made, because he's, he's very, very blunt. But it also shows you the arrogance of those who simply inherit uh, the positions that they have, basically. And they're all re- they're related, of course. And they do believe that it's their gods or whatever deity they happen to pray to or believe in, or including themselves, that is, that they, they have the right to rule the planet and that they are much more intelligent. They really believe they're more intelligent, even though their offspring tend to be rather dull in the academic realm. But reality doesn't matter. The fact is they do have these opinions. It's more than opinions. They are actively involved in, in trying to get the world to depopulate fast. And when you look at the wars across the world that are kicked up now and then, and if we look at the, 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 the famines you have in different parts of the world, including Africa at times too, because of warfare, or because certain foodstuffs are, aren't getting in or, out, or into a particular area, or populations that used to migrate, and, and it's a big, big thing too, they would migrate in, across borders into other territories at one time it was all just land, basically. There were no territories to an extent. Now they'll have territories and borders, etc. And now they can't move when it's their time to move into other grazing lands, etc. And so they end up starving. And there's corruption everywhere, naturally, too. Uh, and I think the, the corruption is really always managed. People at the top are always bought off and... That's the way the, the world operates, unfortunately. And you can always find corrupt people in all, all nations. Africa's definitely got its hands out, too, from its leaders to the, to the world. That's its downfall, too, to an extent. But the big globalists, as I say, they have no problems with being involved in fomenting wars across the world. And then pointing to the wars and then blaming the whole of societies all, everywhere for causing them. Because it's always your fault. It's your fault that you breathe, of course. And after all, it's, it's, it's only the fit who should survive into the future. That's what Philip really means here. Is that those who have held on to their power through generations, power and wealth through generations without losing it, are the rightful inheritors of the planet. That's what they truly, truly believe, and there are many statements that have made that too uh, in the past. So all of you and all of me have to just die off and go quietly. That's what they want. And as I say, you, you, you could spend days and weeks going through all the different quotes by those at the top on this particular subject of all of us and how we should just go quietly. That's quite something. Now... Getting back to what I was saying at the beginning, and that was to do with sustainability and then into public-private partnerships. This big con that was launched upon the world when they came out with reinventing government, and that's how they would do it. Now, as I say, you're, you're, you're defined by, a, by your own position in, within a nation, even though that's on the way out naturally. 
by those who own the world. But what, what they do is to get you to accept the fact that it's changing, even though you have no say in the matter. And so they simply call it reinventing government. It sounds like a kind of passing fad to the general population. They don't realize this is a big, big deal. And it literally gives government a different role, a role where they can form international relations, like the G20 and the G this and the G whiz, you know, all these groups that you don't vote for, where they, they can sign agreements with all countries across the planet, international uh, organizations and so on, and sign your rights away through various agreements. And so that's completely different from where a government was supposed to always be. Where it's there for you to, to stand up for your rights, etc. And to make sure that that you were looked after in your own country and that your rights weren't sold from underneath your feet as they are today by international organizations. Or that your, your, your president or prime minister is part of the international organization too. Who gave them the right to do that? Well, the big organize, the big clubs that they, they, they belong to, CFR, Council of Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, European International Affairs, and all the other international affairs, are all the same group. Then uh, that's, that's what they belong to before you vote them in. And therefore, they're simply doing what they're told to do by the organizations that already have sworn allegiance to. Quite easy, isn't it? But the agendas go on, even though they're giving you this, this kind of drama. It's almost like a media drama. That's that's a new kind of form of news. This media drama, almost well, pretty well fictional too, of who's saying what and who's been going to get put in trial for what or impeached for what and so on. It's all he said, she said stuff, isn't it? That that is what they're giving you for news now. And interestingly too, that's what the big boys wrote about a long time ago for their world that they would wean the public away from the idea of democracy and having rights in such a clever way. You wouldn't really notice so much, so, 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 so obviously and instantly, in, in other words, that you had no rights. <laughs> this would take them away bit by bit by bit. And, and, oh well, the only reason we've taken these away from you is to keep you safe in an age of terrorism, etc., etc. That's how it's done. But, but in other words, too, every, all, they're, all they're giving you for news now is almost like gossip and trivia as opposed to any kind of reality. Now remember that the project for New American Century still has a bunch of countries to take out. And they published them in the 90s, uh, Bush Jr. And the group, the neocons, went to war with Afghanistan and Iraq and, and across the world. And it hasn't stopped and even when Obama got in, there was even more wars on the go under his term. And Rumsfeld and others and Cheney congratulated Obama for continuing the same PNAC wars. Well, Trump promised to promise a certain group to take out Iran and and to deal with Syria. And of course, that has to be fulfilled too. They're also taking out um, Somalia and a couple other countries too in that area. So. As business as usual in reality. But anyway, here's, here's a little article here about Trump's war, basically. And it's to do with the, this, this fake trade war with Canada. They have this every so many years, actually. Mainly to do with the same, same stuff like lumber, etc. Now, remember, too, we're a non-manufacturing country now in Canada, pretty well. Everything's imported. Clothing, everything's just imported. 
the U.S. is much the same. And this is a, a piece here trying to sit, make you make it. This is from the Foreign Affairs magazine, which is CFR, which again is playing a game here because they know it's all worked out because the CFR runs both Canada and the States. <laughs> They're the advisors to governments across the world. That's their own boast. And I'll put up a link about that. About the gives you a little a little bit on about the old tariffs that were passed before back in the 1930s and so on, like the Smoot-Hawley tariffs. Uh, they got them all at loggerheads to do with agreements, etc. And it also talks, too, about the early free trade agreements and NAFTA agreements. But again, it's a superficial level because they don't go into the fact of what happened in those agreements because it was all uh, it's already pre-agreed by those at the top. I could go into it in much more detail, but there's no point, really. And most folk really don't care anymore, including the fact that, 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 that even the computers they had initially for the free trade agreements um, and then the NAFTA group were from the U.S. and they had the passwords right into them. Canada had to buy all, all new sets of computers to deal with that when they found out. But, uh, but apart from that, too, there's a lot more to it and I won't go into it again. I've talked about all this stuff in the past and uh, cutting through the com. Go into the archive section and you'll find talks on it that I gave back you know, years ago to show you all the cons that were going on. Remember, too, I always forget this. You can still donate to me or buy the books or discs that I have on, on the site, the website. You can find out how to do it going to the website, cutting through com. Because it, it takes money to keep even this stuff all going. And I, and I never harp on about money enough at all. But when I see what people are bringing in, even for what they're calling their crowdsourcing and this and that and the other, personally I feel a bit embarrassed about all that kind of stuff. I, don't, I never do that. I just ask for occasional donation once in a blue moon, and that's all. So remember, too, that everybody's here. It's like television. We're all here until we die. And then one day we're not here, and you wonder, you know, why not? That's what you'll wonder, why not? And to be honest with you, too, the, the old system... That was on the go right up into the 90s, late 90s, is all gone. The whole system of fighting the globalist system is all gone. It's been taken down very cleverly. Uh, There's a big, big story to that too of of the Trojans they put in uh, to bring it all down, if you haven't noticed. Some of you may have noticed, I don't know. But we go into this article here. President Donald Trump is launching a major push for one trillion overhaul of the nation's roads and bridges, as $1 trillion. A key item on his domestic agenda has gained little traction and so on. And he plans a series of events this coming week to highlight his effort to modernise America infrastructure, highway, waterway, electrical and airway systems on which the nation operates. Now, again, that all goes right back to the 90s. Al Gore reinventing government and basically privatising all the government, all publicly owned Areas basically That's what it means uh, That's what this all is about Private, The really privatisation of everything That's your highways, your waterways, electrical, airway systems Everything That's what it means Because something's either public or private But when you get public-private partnerships You're into their whole reinventing government system And if they want to reinvent government Then they should have a, a vote for everybody on that But they never will so don't take these little terms like they're light or oh, reinventing government or public-private partnerships. This is the big, big globalist agenda. And 
says the Trump administration. And mind you, it wouldn't matter who's in, who's in left wing or right wing. They're all on the same agenda because they're all getting ad- advice from the same people, same organizations. It says the Trump administration has struggled to gain traction on many of its economic policies. Job growth has slowed in recent months. In recent months has slowed all the time. Instead of accelerating as the president predicted, he said his tax legislation is moving through Congress, but his efforts have been stalled and no bill has been written, etc., etc. The agenda has been overshadowed by the ongoing probes into where Trump's campaign officials are associated with Russian officials. Well, they're not going to let up on this not this stuff, really. It's just amazing. And and the U.S. is almost at the, at the edge of some kind of civil war, which is kind of farcical because, as I say, it wouldn't matter if it's left-wing or right-wing. The main agendas go on to suit those at the top, not to suit the general public. Now, this article talks about Pence. This is Pence pushes infrastructure public-private partnerships about failure in Indiana. And Wednesday, Vice President Mike Pence cancelled an interview with PBS out of the blue, provoking speculation. The growing controversy around former FBI Director James Comey must have gotten to the man known for having a stone face. But this might be another reason. And on Monday, the state of India announced it would take control of a troubled highways construction project, Interstate 69, between Bloomington and Martinsville. The contractor, the Spanish firm Insolux Corson, is facing bankruptcy and has been missing deadlines for months. By the way, I think there's one or two banks just failed in, in Spain as well. It says, who brought Insolux Corson to the state? It was Pence. As governor, he signed a 35-year-old public-private partnership with the firm in 2014 to finance, construct and maintain a section of the highway. Pence said it would provide better value for taxpayers than if the state used the traditional and cheaper method of public financing. But with only half the project completed and taxpayers left cleaning up the mess, one wonders what he'd say now. We're always getting ripped off, aren't we? And I think these rip-offs are meant to happen in the first place. There'll be no intention of finishing the jobs. It says, Monday also happened to be a kick-off for a week-long rollouts of the Trump administration's infrastructure plan, which would rely heavily on public-private partnerships. On PBS, Pence was supposed to talk infrastructure, drawing attention to his failed project wouldn't have been good for business. Have you ever wondered what happened to, for things to fall apart in the first place? What happens is, is, is corruption. It's all government, right down to the bottom, corruption, even down to the local level. And this con game of, of drawing money off projects meant to, to, to make, keep the roads going and everything else in, in good condition. To keep it off, and they put it into welfare and different things too, to stop riots and you name what. It's all, it's all worked out that way. <laughs> so they keep at it and add to it and then give you more taxes. And it said... The 169 failure highlights the danger of Trump's plan. Rather than the $1 trillion the president promised on the campaign trail, the plan only commits $200 billion in direct federal spending, leaving cities and states desperate for funding and therefore more dependent on local taxes and the private sector to make up the difference. Public-private partnerships are far more expensive than public financing without very strong protections and can hand control of infrastructure to private investors. Well, that's the actual purpose of them, folks. That is the Prince Charles came out with that in the mid-90s. That would be the future. So that, that the proper folk would rule 
rule, basically, the people, not governments. Private companies, CEOs of corporations. Trump's plan wouldn't rebuild America. It would encourage communities to make short-sighted deal with Wall Street and global corporations like Insulux Corson. Not only that, it would put a giant for sale sign on the country's roads, bridges, water systems, and other infrastructures through a program based on a scheme pioneered in Australia, which crashed and burned. The federal government would pay a bonus to cities and states to outright sell public assets. That's reinventing government, you understand that. You're owned privately. You are owned, and your cities are owned by private corporations. It says, there's no question we need to invest in rebuilding our infrastructures for the 21st century, but federal support should help cities and states maintain public control, avoid tolls and fees, create good jobs, and protect the environment, etc. Trump's plan clearly helps someone else, Wall Street and global corporations, but as I say, there there really are no... (laughs) <laughs> no good guys here, it's all left and, left and right, it's all the same, it's one agenda And they all know it too, they all know it Of course they do <laughs> That's quite amazing Also last week, President Trump unveiled the details Of his forthcoming infrastructure plan His vision is remarkably different From his predecessors The forthcoming transportation modernization Plan from the administration would Amongst other things, leverage private sector Capital and expertise for projects So this is a rah-rah one for it It's good to see the different Things all pushing different points of view. Yeah, it says it's here to no longer can we allow these rules and regulations to tie down the economy. I mean, paperwork to chain up our prosperity and sap our great American spirit. Trump announced that's why we will lift these restrictions, unleash the full potential of the United States of America. To accomplish this effort, Trump dedicated a new office in the Council of Environmental Quality. <laughs> An important program housed in the White House that coordinates energy and environmental policies across federal agencies to promote transparency and streamline processes, <laughs> and so on and so on. You can't be bored reading this rubbish, eh? Really, you know. And then New York Times, too. On the same topic, Trump plans to shift infrastructure funding to cities, states, and business. Oh, much the same stuff. Some are for it, some are giving it the rah-rah thing. It's wonderful, wonderful, etc. Another article, too, has to do with the nonsense of politics, especially when they're running for election. Because they're all the same. All politicians are much the same, pretty well. Because they're all fronting for <laughs> bigger organizations way above them, even when they're rich. Throughout the presidential campaign, Donald Trump blasted his rival for taking money from Saudi Arabia, which he regularly charged has a horrific human rights record and was behind the attack on September the 11th. He says, you talk about women and women's rights, so these are people that push gays off buildings, these are people that kill women and treat women horribly, and yet you take their money, he complained. Trump, of course, has never been married to anything he has said in the past. I mean, he doesn't, he's always he's got a fluid point of view. But even by Trumpian standards, a recent uh, series of deals he struck with Saudi Arabia stand out. The two that make the news, $110 billion arms deal with this group that he, he, he was blasting, supposedly, when he was running. It's all, it's all act, it's acting. Sure, it's acting. Of course it is. So the $110 billion arms deal and a $100 million gift to Ivanka Trump-inspired endowment are remarkable in their own right. 
But the third, which was rolled out much more quietly, is less stunning. The Saudi kingdom joined forces with a top outside advisor to Trump to build $40 billion war chest to privatize U.S. infrastructure. Hmm. There you go, public-private, yeah. The vehicle would employ the same kind of public-private partnerships known as P3s the Trump administration has endorsed for its trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. The deal hands over control of projects to rebuild American roads and bridges to private sector and a foreign country. The Saudi Public Investment Fund announced its $20 billion investment with Blackstone, the private equity giant whose CEO, Stephen Schwarzman, chairs the Strategic and Policy Forum, a key group of private sector advisors to President Trump. It's more than just that. In recent months, Schwarzman has become a key advisor to the president, speaking to him as several, several times a week, according to Politico. Schwarzman, who has an estate near Mar-a-Lago, has known Trump for years as a Republican uh, mega-donor, giving out $4 million to super PAC that supports conservative candidates in the last election cycle. And it goes on and on and on. But uh, the agenda goes on. It doesn't matter. Same agenda. It wouldn't matter who was in. It really wouldn't matter. That's all the, the bitching's about. It's just uh, the, the group that gets in has can skim a lot of money into their own particular areas, you know, preferably their own. <laughs> uh, and But as long as they get the main agenda through, that's allowed, you see, by the by the rulers of this uh, this big planet here. So surely you just um, a, a complaining, it's a beefing match. They're all beefing about this and beefing about that. and uh, But the big agenda must go on. Another article, too. The vague proposal, which according to his administration, will be worked out in detail by the fall of this year and will lead to the mass sell-off of public infrastructure throughout the country while simultaneously slashing the transportation budget. The plan earmarks $200 billion over 10 years. There are no details yet. A Trump administration memo suggests that the bulk of money will be given to states and local governments as incentives for privatizing public infrastructure. This is selling off of your country is what it really is. But, you know, you really should look in to all the parks they create. To Every administration, Canada, U.S., Europe, across the whole planet, they're constantly making new parks, too, that you can't get on, etc., that's how they also <laughs> create a lot of starvation in Africa. So it's all the folk couldn't, as I say, couldn't even move because they weren't allowed to cross over parks to get into the next place where they would graze or whatever. It's quite clever how they do it, isn't it? Very old idea. Very, the system's very old. And the system of managing human beings is very, very old indeed. And we're, we're managed just too, too well these days, aren't we? It's, it's pretty well perfect. But uh, as I say, I'll put all these links up for you to, to look through. And you can work out for yourselves. Another thing, too, is you're all noticing. I'm sure you've all noticed, and hopefully you've all noticed. Well, lots of people who listen to me probably have noticed because they're, they're more wary and they watch and they use their senses. They don't wait to be told things. They can use their own senses. And we've all seen the, the upgrading of the aerial spraying. It really has stepped into uh, it's next realm, basically, this next phase, and we're seeing the effects of it too. And I'll just touch on a little bit tonight, which is kind of rehash stuff to an extent about owning the weather by the air force and things like that, because it, we truly are living in a sci-fi planet. 
a sci-fi planet where the people are dumbed down and kept incredibly well entertained, even though they're being indoctrinated through their entertainment for, and upgraded to the next phase and the next phase and the next phase of cultural changes. But they're unaware that it's even happening, most of them. It's not something. Never mind looking at the sky and, and they, they have noticed the different... Now, I can understand since, since 1998, since the daily spraying of the skies, uh, that those born around that time or were young and then they grow up. Well, what they see is, is quite normal. It's a matter of all well, these streaks across the skies, etc. Uh, it's quite normal to them because that's all they know, naturally. That's how the system's always done it, to let, let the older ones to go quietly to die off, ridicule them during the meantime, until they just die off, and, and then it's okay. You can, you can get away with it all. The young ones will think it's all quite natural. As Russell, Bertrand Russell said, you could train them to believe that snow is really black, uh, given enough time and, and so on. Of course they could. There's nothing they can't teach the people if they get the people young enough. But also, too, I'm going to put an article here on, on Dr. Tim Ball, that crushes climate change, the biggest deception in history. And it says that with a 50-year academic career for focusing on Historical climate mythology, Dr. Tim Ball is uniquely qualified to address man-made climate change and he demonstrates that it is a flat-out hoax. Thinking people everywhere should get multiple copies of this book and hand them out to everyone they know. And it says, uh, President Trump was correct to withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. He could have explained that the science was premeditated and deliberately orchestrated to demonize carbon dioxide for a political agenda. Wisely, he simply explained that it was a bad deal for the United States because it gave a competitive economic edge to other nations, especially China. A majority of Americans think he was wrong, so it says, but more would disagree if he got lost in the complexities of the science. He says, I speak from experience, having taught a science credit course for 25 years for the student population that mirrors society with 80% of them being art students. And promoters of what is called anthropogenic global warming knew most people do not understand the science and have exploited it. So the plants need more atmospheric CO2, not less. You can see all the usual stuff, which we, we've all known about too. Which, 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 and again, I've, I've read all the articles before from all the big front organizations for the United Nations and the big foundations that uh, plan the future for the world. Talking about it being a hoax, but it doesn't matter. It'll get their job done and they can redistribute the wealth across the planet. And of course, the wealth, of course, is not going to go to the peasantry. It's going to go to uh, different causes altogether, as you well know. But this article here goes through all the wrong science and why it's wrong, etc., etc. And it's quite amazing, too. Another article I was reading was talking about all the carbon sinks. Oh, carbon sinks. Oh, my goodness me. We need places like the Amazon jungle to help take the carbon out of the air. And, and that's where they're finding the, high, finding the highest carbon dioxide is down there. That's quite something. That's a different article. But I'll put this article up tonight. And also, this one here. This is the Australian Climate Skeptics blog and quantifying the consensus in global warming. Uh, and it's by Christopher Monckton, as you well know. He's been involved in this for quite some time. And he goes on about the, the nonsense again of, of uh, you know, initially it was, it was going to be the global freezing, the coming ice age in the 60s, and it changed the global warming. 
and once again the the, the climate didn't uh, cooperate with the, the big agenda, so they simply call it climate change now. You know, it's quite sad. and you can't lose with that because it can be anything anything at all is climate change. Even the weather from day to day has always been climate change. But again, the, the agenda is for a big, big. A new form of trading on uh, stocks, etc., and and carbon uh, capturing, all that nonsense, which is all abstract nonsense, basically. Money for nothing, basically. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to actually even put a space ahead and say, see, I've got a thousand billion tons of carbon in there. You don't even need that. All you have to do is have a good imagination. Imagine that I have a, a thousand billion tons of carbon in there and <laughs> pay me money. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> But unfortunately, you have to be, I guess you have to be certain people pre-authorized to get in on that act, because you won't get in on it, but they can, they can do it. And over the years, I've read articles where ships going out to study the climate and north-south poles and so on, got trapped in the ice, and this is after they called it global warming, and then they get trapped in the ice, and then they have to get rescued. Well, here's another one. And it says, large Canadian Arctic climate change study cancelled due to climate change. (laughs) The science team with a Canadian research icebreaker, CCGS Amundsen, has cancelled the first leg of its 2017 expedition due to complications associated with the southward motion of hazardous Arctic sea ice caused by climate change. This regrettably postpones the much-anticipated Hudson Bay system study, Involving 40 scientists from five universities across Canada. And I guess what costs, this is a taxpayer, I guess, $17 million for these uh, 40 scientists, eh? for a four year university study. The need to deal with extreme ice conditions in the south meant the ship would arrive too late on site to meet research objectives. Decision to terminate 2017 program has significant impacts on partners and the large number of graduate students involved. Considering the, the severe ice conditions and increasing demand for search and rescue operations and ice escort, we decided to cancel the, the base's mission. Uh, a second week of delay meant our research objectives could not be safely achieved. The challenge for us all was that the marine ice hazards were exceedingly difficult for the, the maritime industry. And <laughs> Down below, <laughs> it says here, at least we now have an answer to the question, what do Arctic researchers do if they're stuck in port for two weeks? The answer is they find new ways to torture the English language because they, they can't just be straight about anything anymore. It's, it's climate change, yeah, this, they've got them trapped, etc., etc. But again, there's not supposed to be any, any ice left down there anyway, according to the, the nonsense they keep putting out there. And also, too, Wind power fails in Canada, 23-year lifespan, not likely to be replaced. And the oldest commercial wind farm in Canada headed for the scrapyard after 23 years. It's fallen apart and so on, he's upgraded. And they've got their hands out waiting for the government to give them all the money. Again, public-private partnerships where you can't fail. And no doubt the taxpayer will end up funding it all. And, and so on. If it wasn't for the public, there'd be no profits at all, eh, from these big corporations. And they just keep taxing you and taxing you with all these wonderful, ridiculous ideas because they have these agendas there. And you're not going to be allowed to burn coal, for instance. Oh, no. 
radiation is good from, from nuclear plants, that's okay. But yeah, you know, it's awfully expensive to keep these big, big, massive windmills going for all that they churn out. Never mind the maintenance they need too and the cost of that. So says the Trans Alberta Corp says uh, Tuesday that blades on 57 turbines at its Cowley Ridge facility near Pincher Creek have already been halted and the towers are to be toppled and recycled for scrap metal this spring. The company inherited the now obsolete facility, built between 1993 and 1994, as part of its $1.6 billion hostile takeover of Calgary-based Canadian Hydro Developers, Inc. in 2009. So there you go. And just to finish it off, a little interesting bit of trivia, really, in a way. It's with the old safe havens underground for the, the elites and the government, uh, continue of government, to survive nuclear wars and plagues and goodness knows what else, etc. From the Cold War, well, they've been upgrading these, these sites quietly for a long, long time. They always do that, actually. And uh, to get it ready for something, just in case anything should actually happen. Not for you, peasantry, no, 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 but for, for the elite and for government officials, etc. The important people, important people, you know. And uh, it's quite a good article, though. It's, it's interesting to an extent, but all countries do this. Some countries actually have places for the populations to go, but not, not in the Western world, I think. Only for those that really matter. You know, the real people, that, that Prince Philip would call them, the real people as opposed to the peasantry. And so if you fall into the peasant bracket, well, it's tough cheese, that's, all, that's, that's it, I suppose. Anyway, I hope you're all doing okay and uh, getting through these hard times because we've all noticed the dollar's plummeting in value and purchasing power. More so in Canada because we were bailed out by the US uh, during the, the 2008 crisis. All the banks were subject to But uh, we're not supposed to know that either, by the way That's why the dollar in Canada was agreed to be much, much lower than the US one Anyway, from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada Where it's now pouring rain due to all the spraying that I had today in the skies It's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you